it appears that I've been sent back further than I anticipated. My chronotator says that it's the 1890s. I'm not quite sure where I am. But first things first, if I'm going to destroy the Glorft, I have to find Megas, especially before they do. But then again, I don't know exactly where I am. I'll have to get my bearings. I say. Maybe I'll ask this local. I say, fiery young trollop. Yes, what? Sir, sir, what are you doing on Megas? Megas? Why, I picked up these spare parts in the black market uh, a fortnight ago. I've been trying to fabricate the control systems to my liking ever since. You've completely redone the control scheme. What is that on top of that? Is that... is that a horse? This is a Winchester's carriage, my dear. It's in my profession to move people from place to place. I thought it would make me stand out a bit. I can't handle him at all with your modifications. I guess... I guess I'll have to train you to fight the Glorft. The Glorft? Is that some sort of rebellion? Uh, yes, yes, it's it's a rebellion against our proud people. The colonies simply don't know how to handle themselves uh, without a good occasional Englishman wallop. I hope it's all right. I've, I've decided to give it a bit of a, give it a once over. I think it's, uh, it stands out a little bit more as a baby blue, this, this copper top. What exactly have you done? Oh, uh, well, I've, I've just adjusted the control systems a bit, lowered the seats for, for, for enhanced reclination as you as you parade through the marketplace on a, on a fine morning of August. And you've labeled the buttons. What exactly does give them what for mean? Oh, it means whatever you want it to mean. You tend to have to give a lot of what for these days. If you don't label all your buttons, you're liable to end up in the clink. All right, lead on. We have to pick up Sir Jameson. He's not the most reliable sort, but a better man you'll never see this side the Isle of Jersey. <laughs> No, I'll cut that into something amazing. But I, love I hope this idea. so. <laughs> I, 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 that that seems like one of those that I would have had to either have a much better historical background to or make work. Yeah, or or just script it out. I, I, I know nothing about that time period. Well, son, the important thing is you had fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we definitely Fa- did that for this episode. Fa- family fun. So, uh, Zane. Let's say we get started. Let's... What say, old boy? What say, old boy? <laughs> I say. Put your money where your mouth is and your mouth where your shoe is. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you to fisticuffs of the robotic sort. <laughs> your money where your mouth is and your mouth where your shoe is? <laughs> I, I don't know. I... <laughs> Queensbury rules. Um, so, my welcome everybody. My yes. name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And uh, this is the Carton cast. Chicks dig the Carton cast. Chicks dig the Carton Nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I had a feeling that it was going to lead into that. Uh, the I, I also could have said, the Carton cast will have all your jaw blocks. <laughs> yeah, that one makes no sense outside of like the, the few people who have actually watched the show. Yeah. The, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, this is the Carton Cast. We review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. Um, and today we are reviewing uh, Megas XLR. Right. He's, he's a big robot, and then he's even bigger. Yes. Extra large robot is what XLR stands for. Um, Megas has some absurd acronym from the future about it. I think it's just, just so it sounds cool. I think he's just really does. big. He, he's very, very big. So um, this show is really fascinating, like, in its conception. Uh, who are the creators again? So I don't know. Yeah, so, so the executive producer is Jody Schaefer and George Christick. Mm-hmm. They uh, they kind of came up with the idea for this um, for a... They, they conceived of the idea for this where the main character would pilot a giant robot using video game skills. <laughs> and Fulfilling it, every child fantasy we've ever had. Yeah, which we'll, we'll definitely get into, but it was put on... Uh, the pilot episode was put on in 2002 during Cartoon Network's Cartoon Cartoon Weekend Summerfest, if you remember that. Yeah, this was one of those things that they occasionally do to figure out what new shows they should have. Um, I don't remember. Did it, did other networks try it? Because it seems like a brilliant strategy. I, I want to say that Invader Zim had that for Nickelodeon, curiously oh, yeah. enough. Um, I think Fairly Odd Parents also came about this way. I remember that clip of Adventure Time showing up before the show did. Yes. Yes, it did. I don't know if it actually showed up on a network, though. Yeah, it was just on YouTube, and everyone knew about it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just like old Greg, <laughs> although that was actually from a show. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, but, but the, Megas XLR... The series is meant as sort of a, like a, like a parody of mech anime. Yeah. And um, th- this is sort of um, capitalizing on, like, the collective knowledge of kids in the 90s whom... Grew up with the knowledge of Transformers and Power Rangers, so like they're they're well versed with the idea of having a giant robot. Yeah, but and no shows up to this point had actually used that giant robot in the way that kids wanted to use them. Right, and the show itself came out in two thousand four to two thousand five, so it was during the time when those kids who loved, you know, the giant robot fights of Power Rangers were now going into the age where they could really appreciate irony and parody. Right, and, and and like I said, it's it's also just like the first outlet that a lot of kids probably had for seeing seeing like the cooler aspects of having a giant robot expressed kind of from kind of from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stereotypically who... Eastern anime that dealt with giant robots, we we dealt with Big O. They right. tended toward like melodrama and like high action and tension scenes. And this show is so goddamn irreverent as to just like be, uh, just be like an, uh, a contradictory essay, like targeted right. straight at that idea. Right. You know, so, it's it's taking all of the cool from it and ignoring all of the not cool. Right. Giant robots, in some ways, are like the atom bomb. So the Eastern <laughs> animes tend to take a giant robot and think of it as this huge symbol of power that can be destructive if not used hand if not handled properly so it's similar to the atomic bomb here in the west we view a a giant robot and we're like that's like stuff i've seen in the video games this works like a video game yeah it's it's fucking sick and we should (laughs) treat it like it's fucking sick not like it's gonna like every show up to this point has treated like a giant robot as like a mechanism of justice right Coop and the other characters in this show, aside from Kiva, treat the giant robot as a cool car. 
<laughs> slash wrestle machine. Slash wrestling machine, yeah. And uh, uh, so that's like the conception of this show. It was met with very positive reception. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who saw it were like, this is a great show. Everybody, no, it didn't really catch on though. Like it, it got pretty low ratings. I think this was kind of maybe too weird. Well, to get, th- like, widespread appeal right off the bat. I mean, it had two seasons, and after you've seen the plot lines a few episodes, you're like, okay, it's it's the same thing. I, I, I disagree with that more on this show than with other shows that we've dealt with where that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we just talked about Sailor Moon. That, that's kind of got a formula to it, right? Oh, I, um, I found the show very formulaic. But we'll, I actually we'll, didn't. But like, we can get into the details of it. Yeah, we, we can get into the details of it later, but let's just keep it pretty general right now. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that this show, that's interesting about this show, is that it holds the distinction of being the very best cartoon in the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay, so we we were, you know, gushing about certain cartoons in the past, right? We mm-hmm. gushed about Samurai Jack. We right. gushed about uh, Case Closed. We gushed about Teen Titans. This, objectively speaking, is a better show than all of those. It's it's such a beautiful, pure expression. It, it is. <laughs> and it's it's got such a great sense of comedic timing and, like, everything about the show serves this one function, which is just to drive a rail spike through this idea of making fun of this genre that we love. Mm-hmm. You know, and the pe- the people who do get it are 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 totally on board. I don't think I've ever heard of a person liking this show and not loving it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, like, would I say can't that's conceive true. of such a person. <laughs> I do not. I simply do not understand. <laughs> it's beyond my. It's beyond my ability to recollect <laughs> or conceive. Yeah. So, uh, plot-wise, this show Rapscallion. is... <laughs> this show is about... Um, it, it starts almost like one of those classic mech animes. So, we're, we're in the future, and Kiva is leading a resistance against the evil Glorfed. And they send... It starts like the beginning of Gurren Lagann. Yeah. This show was before Gurren Lagann, though. Which or is, like Terminator. Yeah. And like and this they, is this is the plot to Terminator. <laughs> they, they steal a super mech. They call it Megus. And they say, okay, we're going to send it back in time a couple of years to a critical battle. But they overshoot right, it and send it to the 20th What's happening is that century. the Earth Defense Force is, like, uh, fighting this alien armada conqueror species known as the Glorfed. And so they are getting outnumbered, and they're losing the war. They knew that there was this battle where the war, where the war kind of turned uh, badly for yeah, them. Yeah, Earth, and they're Earth's gonna send last them back then to try to... Uh, flip the script and turn it in their favor because this mech is like a prototype you know mm-hmm. it's like the new super weapon that they just barely developed so they overshoot and send it back to the 20th century well yeah there's like a mechanical malfunction because this is a prototype that they stole from the glorf and then like modified it with like this 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 time flux capacitor mm-hmm. unit thing and it doesn't actually go back to to like coop's time it goes no, back. it actually goes back to, like, the 20s or something. Yeah, and, and it hangs out in a junkyard for decades before these two idiots from Jersey find it and <laughs> trick it out with sick flaming eight balls. Yeah, <laughs> like mud flaps of women. And <laughs> and and the, the, the main pilot, the guy, uh, he, 
he's like, oh, man, this is prime, primo material for a custom job. So he takes out all of the futuristic controls and instead puts a car in place of where the head control module would be. Yeah. So his car, which is a Plymouth Barracuda from the <laughs> 70s, <laughs> looks fucking sweet. Yeah. And he reroutes all the controls with, like, video game controllers and, like, joysticks and, like, buttons that are... And it's like, clear, like, like he has a, some sort of superpower where he just kind of feels the machines but doesn't understand it because he doesn't know what the buttons do. And not he all act- the time. He has two transmissions. He has an automatic and a manual transmission. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So. And when, uh, when the future lady finally shows up and, like, figures out where the robot's at, because she got sent to, to Coop's time, mm-hmm. right? Right. Somehow. I don't know why the. As, as did the Glorfed. Yeah, I don't know why the robot got sent to the past, but she didn't get sent to as far in the past. It's, but. it's such a in a, an elegant way to set up a ridiculous premise. Like, I don't know about elegant. I, I think it's just very forthright. Like, like the it's only... telling you, don't worry about the nuts and bolts exactly, because mm-hmm. they don't worry about the nuts and bolts. Right. Well, but what happens is she she approaches him and um says. You're the only one who can pilot this now, because apparently rewiring it from Coop's modifications would, like, be impossibly difficult. (laughs) He's too smart. Yeah, (laughs) he, like, rigged it so that it would, like, self-destruct if anyone tried to take out, like, the... Like and, the Atari controllers. And so Kiva has to train him to defeat the Glorfed um, that have followed her back in time. And now their sole purpose is to defeat Megas so that they can win in the future. Right, because cause if Megas is, um, is allowed to persist in the past, they're going to win the war once the Glorf actually invade. Now, you seemed like you were a little hung up on that plot hole where Megas was sent decades back and, and Kiva and the Glorf showed up kind of in the present day? Yeah, I thought it was one of those, like, things where just, like, depending on when you got sucked into the time stream, it, like, chose a point. I thought it was kind of neat because, you know, to me it seems so much more plausible for something to show up years ago and just to wait until the right time, then, like, how many time travel plots are there where it's like, hmm, let's travel through time. Where are we going to go? 1997, arbitrarily. I guess so. Wasn't there that, like, Disney show, like, Phil of the Future or something? Where they're was like, there? They're like, I hope not. Let's take a vacation to 2003. I think this was Doctor Who. <laughs> it might have been Doctor Who. He, he's on like the world's most extended sabbatical. Like, I don't know what university Doctor Who works in, but he must be fired by now. In any case, the details don't matter. <laughs> because, no. because this show's not about the details or the facts or the logic. It's about punching robots. I would say it's robots. almost entirely about the details, but not in like a <laughs> plot construction sort of way. The details of how to get out of a headlock. The the details of like like the little jokes that they put in between the actual plot line for any given episode. Mm-hmm. Like all the context sensitive buttons. That's where the show is the best. Yes. Well, but um, <laughs> we'll, like, we'll get to the buttons. I think. Yeah, we we can go through that a little bit more deliberately and steadily paced. You you have basically the basic uh, the 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 pilot episode there. 
Yeah. And then every episode beyond that is either the Glorfed or some other threat threatening Magus, usually because of something stupid that Coop did trying to, like, deck out Magus even more. Right. Which just kind of pisses in some old god's face, I guess. <laughs> this is not um, your Like, classic. he just pisses somebody strong off, like, yeah. from, from the universe, and yeah. they come and try to deal with him. This is not your classic superhero you know, story where, oh, you know, the bad guys are fighting the good guys are trying to conquer this tract of land and they have to fight it off. This is no, it's not like a regular is, hero story. Megus is a heroic. homing beacon for destruction. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Coop, Coop doesn't do anything except, like, every time that Coop has to save the world, it's usually because he caused a problem. Yes. O- almost exclusively because he threatened the world. Ben, let me tell you something. I'm mm. I'm I'm currently running a D&D game. Okay. And my my players, they're theoretically heroes fighting for the greater good, right? But really yeah. they just want to go places and kill things. And that's the kind of thrill-seeking amorality that this show embodies. I, I- Is there an American class in D&D these days? <laughs> Yeah, you get powered up with uh, with burgers and Philly cheesesteaks. Oh my god, I-, I I like the degree to which he like I, I like how he commits to unabashedly his own American. Like he meets an alternate self, and he's like, "How how dare you lose weight?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he's offended by the notion of being less Jersey, being moderated in any way. <laughs> Yeah, he he just doesn't want to be told what to do, Mom. Yeah, let's talk about Coop. All right, yeah. So Coop is a big, fat New Jersey gearhead who's yeah. like some sort of idiot savant with both like m- mechanic work and video games. Yeah, and he's voiced by David DeLuise. Yeah, I I don't recognize who is Dom DeLuise's son. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> I and here's the thing, David DeLuise's film career has not been nearly so you know star studded. Yeah, I, I don't recognize the stuff he's been in, but some of the names of the films get an idea of his range. <clears throat> okay, Silence of the Hams, <laughs> Dracula. Wait, is, this, is this is this a movie that Coop auditioned for in like a, <laughs> no. like a high school drama sort of way? Dracula, dead and loving it. Oh my god! Hair. It, shirt. it sounds like he just does this all the time. Ben. Like just chooses the weirdest looking project because he finds it amusing. Hair shirt. Mostly Hair ghostly. Shirt? Who let the ghosts out? <laughs> and of course, RoboDoc. RoboDoc is a genius. And it's funny that you mentioned he like so just hard picking, at Robotech. Just picking the weirdest characters because um, Bruce Campbell, I feel, also has that career trajectory and he voices some people in this show. Oh, does he? Yeah, he, he's uh, magnanimous. So he is. <laughs> he magnanimous is, is a... And he there's, has, there's, an, there's a character for you. He, he has like lines, like classic Bruce Campbell lines that he... Like he wedges in, and he pilots an Elvis bot in this in his return. Oh my god! Um, he he seemed like he belonged in the Fifth Element. Yeah, (laughs) like this show kind of has that. This show kind of has that depreciation of like the sci-fi genre in a way. Like you wouldn't be like he's he's kind of the Ruby Rod 
of of this show. I'm trying to remember what Ruby Rod is like, but for some reason I can only get your impression of the black guy from Jumanji in my head. Colby, my man. Colbin. Oh my god, he's so annoying. I, I you know, I I think he's my favorite part of that movie. So. Oh, what's wrong with you? Um anyway, despite being one of the most likable characters I've ever seen, there's not a lot to Coop. He's he's like, super he's silly. He's what he is. He's super silly. Even when he's trying to be serious, just because of how incongruous he is in relation to the situation of the shows, like the theme they're trying to pretend to have, he just... I don't think they are trying to pretend to have. I think they're just setting up themes so that they can knock them down like bowling pins. That's that's not false. Um, <laughs> like, like, they have this sort of intense music sometimes where they're trying to say, like, this is a dire moment. Like, um, like one time Gorath, the leader of the Glorft, interrogates Coop on his ship. And oh, man, to, that's good. And to, I remember that one. And to interrogate him, he just takes a bite out of a Philly cheesesteak in front of <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, like it's torture for him. <laughs> and Coop just gives him the dirtiest stare. He's like, I'll remember this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so silly. Like you said, they just set up genres and knock them down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's it's so... It, uh, it's so appreciated, you know. I, I love it when it's it's exactly like Venture Brothers in that like they they're a very aware of the genre conventions, and their sole purpose is being irreverent mm-hmm. to those genre conventions. Like they know it's supposed to be serious, and they just go back the other way, and it, it's so refreshing. Right. Um, this- Coop as, as uh, personally um personality wise coop is kind of interesting in this sort of three-man band that they have mm-hmm. um because he's by far the most immature one <laughs> but also the most likable one mm-hmm. and he's he, and uh I, I think he's so likable because of just how genuine he is hang on and you got you got how sirens going into on. his own things he is like he loves video games and cars and beating stuff up and food and there's never any texture to that, like, well, I eat because I'm sad, or like, well, I play video games because I can't get a date. Like, these are the things he likes. And then a giant robot shows up in the junkyard, and he keeps doing the things he likes, in but a now giant with a robot. giant robot. Yeah. Can you say all that again because you had sirens in the background? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Just kidding. Probably not. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so he... He is this. The glorf is on my tail. He is this big kid. He is embodying this idea of like, hey, audience, we know what you like. Yeah, th- this is what you are. Why don't you empathize? Live through <laughs> this silly guy vicariously while not having to deal with the consequences of his bad decisions. At the same time, I think it the show uh, does look down on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. because he you know clearly is kind of an idiot and clearly does cause most things to go wrong before he fixes them he is the butt of the joke but he doesn't seem to mind no well he's one of the butts of the joke well like like someone will say to him like you know you don't have a chance and he'll say i don't know nothing i don't know nothing <laughs> <laughs> um like he'll set himself up for these like lines where he's the butt of the joke like he's going out of his way to do it yeah so, so he'll send no, himself, like, he'll... and i just i really appreciate that complete acceptance of a person like of the flaws inherent in a person yeah, like, like this is like kind of ron stoppable-esque yeah you you and like, i you and i do this in real life um 
where you'll make a joke that's so obvious. You just have to wait for someone to point out the flaw and then you're like, oh, no, the joke's on me. I get it. (laughs) I don't remember exactly when this happened. Can you you explain that? So the way that this expresses itself in Coop, he'll set himself up for these oh, yeah lines. Like he'll say, you and what army? Someone else will say, like, there's an army right there. And he'll say, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's set, yeah. like, he knows he's the butt of the joke, and he's actually, like, gearing it toward it. But that's what makes him so likable. Well, it, it's not so much that he's gearing it toward him. It's it's more just, like, he doesn't let the fact that he's completely ill-equipped to handle most of most of this, like, hero business. He doesn't, like, let that stop him or, like, define who he is at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to do it while, you know, t- test driving my, my new sick ride <laughs> or playing video games. You know, I'm not going to purport to be someone smarter than I am. Right. Which which is uh, relevant to Jamie when we get down to him. But uh, you want to talk about Kiva? Yeah. So Kiva is voiced by Wendy Lee, who's done a ton of anime voiceover work, including... Um, Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop, and uh, mm-hmm. and she was also the voice of Scorpina Pina on Power from Rangers. Scorpina from Power Rangers, that's right. Incredible. Yeah, which is kind of weird. I, I was just playing uh, Dark Souls again to get ready for Dark Souls 3, and, oh, nice. uh, you know, they have a tradition of making really hot women with really disgusting, like, bottoms, like, of <laughs> spiders and or, or snakes <laughs> right, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, Scorpina kind of did that, didn't she? Because... She was like a really hot woman on top and a big gross scorpion tail on the bottom. I don't remember it that way. I'm pretty sure it was. Let me I'm gonna Google image search Scorpina right now. I think you're literally thinking of the Dark Souls boss where it's a scorpion on the bottom. <laughs> Ignore the sounds of me beating it. Um No, not Scorpion. Scorpina. Very different. Yeah, get it right. Alright. We got got some stuff. No, you're right. There's, there's, there's no tail on this. Ugh, Rita. Um, <laughs> um, there's a lot but, of fan art here. Whoa! <laughs> Put it away, Ben. Put it away. Oh, my God. Don't she's go down like, this road. He's, like, hitting... She's, like, hitting the Red Ranger, and sparks are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super confusing. That show did not know how to handle pyrotechnics. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> But they made up for it with Goldar's existence. Oh my God, Goldar! That Goldar's my favorite. That's your spirit anyway, animal. Back, back um, to back to Kiva. Yeah, um, so, so Kiva is from the future, and she's a warrior, like martial artist genius. So she is just handling all of the classic hero attributes. Yeah, so so she's clearly the the hero that's supposed to be in charge of Magus, and she reminds everybody of that constantly. She keeps trying to draw us back into that other genre where it's supposed to be more serious. I think she's supposed to kind of take the place of Coop's, uh, like, I think she's supposed to, like, symbol. I have this kind of uh, idea that we're supposed to see Coop as, like, this guy with talent but without any skills whom Kiva is kind of trying to form into a uh, more complete human being like kind of like a girlfriend would mm-hmm. it's like you're never going to reach your potential unless you get out there and look for a job sort of, <laughs> sort of thing which relates back to jamie in a little bit but uh that that's kind of how she reminded me of because she's she's always very focused on the job on the mission she she tries to be as mature as she absolutely is um huh. 
and it's I think it's sort of our window into how more adult people would use used to watch like uh Power Rangers type shows. Mhm. Which is like they wouldn't focus on the fact that there were giant robots. They would right. like focus on what the giant robots were trying to accomplish. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's like this tyrannical dictator, let's take him down. And the kids would be like, shit, look at that flaming longsword that he just summoned from the sky. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think that's what I, she's supposed to be. She is definitely training him to become better. I don't think it's even mirroring a romantic relationship because, like, she never. Well, Jamie's is... kind of the reason that I think that that's the case, but right. um, but but she but it never... isn't romantic between them. No, she's never the vulnerable one, right? So she is always the adult, so that Coop can always be the child. There's a there's a little bit of noble savagery going on here where like she's the effective one but you can't help but feel like she's missing the missing the <laughs> bigger bigger picture like missing the point. Like she, she's not heart. understanding why it's awesome and like that's the function of the show almost. Yeah, you you mentioned like, Gurren Lagan earlier and that's a very similar like he's trying to convince her that that's the way this world works. Yeah, it it, it runs on cheesesteaks and and slushies. Yeah. And you gotta hit it or quit it. Yeah, and and once he adds that car to Megus, <laughs> oh like, man, that, that thing looks so good. Like he takes the power, he literally takes the power away from her because that type of car is a coupe. Oh, is it? Yeah, like that's the t- like instead of a sedan, like it is specifically a coupe. It's also a very like boys and their toys sort of thing, like. Mm-hmm. If she is the girlfriend, she's going to be like, we need a nice SUV, we need a minivan to get, like, pick up the kids, whatever. And he's just like, I'm going to spend our savings on a sports car. Well, that's why I thought it, it seemed more like a... Like, like a next man gener- cave. <laughs> I thought it seemed more like a next generation uh, a trade-off rather than a romantic one because, you know, she's from the future. She's seen consequence. She understands it. And so she's trying to hand off responsibility to this new upstart and... You know, in this interesting subversion because she's from the future. But, you know, he just doesn't get it, but it kind of works anyway. I don't know well, what the, the moral the, is. The way it's framed is that, like, she's more effective, but he's... More fun his, to watch. His ideals are in the right place. You know? The ideals of liking to smash things and cool cars and shit. Like, I don't know if I characterize that as the right place. <laughs> no, that it is. In this show, it is. The cooler you are, the better off you are. That's well, how it yeah, works. but only because they like ignore all the damage they're doing to their city. So, um, yeah, well, the planets they've destroyed, the lives they've ruined. <laughs> you, you know what? It it it's it's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. This is all part of his training. It is not touched on at all. They do not emphasize. <laughs> it, this show is as close to unreality as is possible. It, it's pretty like. I'll get back into it later, but it it completely eschews logic and mm-hmm. like causality in in a really a, a really fantastic way, right? Uh, the the reason that I purport that she's supposed to be kind of be in this stand in girlfriend that's trying to make this kid grow up is because of Jamie, mm-hmm. because the reason that he dislikes Kiva so much, Ki- Jamie by the way is Coop's layabout friend whom. Um, he's really emo. cowardly, and he purports to be more mature and into interested in more mature things. He'll always make like snarky comments and things like that. But at the end of the day, he still wants to pal around with Coop. 
he, he was taking him away from him. He's following the teenage like revelation that being sarcastic and angsty makes you smart. <laughs> he absolutely is. <laughs> it, like it's he he's so petulant about it too. Like you never like him when he's being like that. You you almost see like oh I really want him to get hit in the head right now. Yeah. He's the coolest when he's being like Coop. Yeah, which is when, which when is he buys into for, the childlike glee. It, it's a point for being genuine over being uh, presumptuous or not presumptuous, and and you uh, know pretentious, and you know fitting in this into my idea of you know Kiva being the adult and Coop is the child. Jamie is in between, and you know people watching this as teenagers will see this and they're like, no. I'm going back to my kidness because this is just freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but, embrace um, the cool things because they're cool. Yeah, it's okay to just enjoy yourself. Yeah. In, Go in watch wrestling. In absence of getting anything done, you are allowed to just have fun. Yeah. Um, but but I, 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 don't think, I don't think that he, she is the adult so much as the girlfriend because of how Jamie reacts to her. Because he's, oh. he's very saddened by her kind of, like, pulling Coop away from just hanging out with his bro. Right. So I I think that's a real, like, I think that's a real relatable thing that when your friend suddenly no longer has time for you because this new person came along, that's Mm -hmm. a girlfriend, my friend. Yeah. Or again, something that tends to happen during teenagerness to to be less misogynistic. That's when somebody comes. That's when (laughs) someone romantic comes into your life, you Um, know, and just pulls, pulls time away from your friends. Right. Um, the few times that he's relatable is when he's, like, bringing that up and saying, like, Coop is all I have. But then Aww. the rest of the time, he's just kind of being a dick. Yeah, so. so so they're good friends, but they're not good people. Also, no. they're not good friends. Oh, uh, yeah, no. The, I mean, yeah, the best of a bad situation, I'd almost say. Like, he's such a bastard. He He is a bastard. He's a coward. He's lazy. He's selfish. They are friends, like... I don't think friendship necessarily has to mean, like, you know, go through hell for this person, put them above everything else, including your own needs. Friends can no. just be, like, a fair-weather friend. That's, that's a, yeah. you know, that's a viable relationship. There was, but, one, there was one scene that I really liked. One time he says, uh, haven't always been there for you. Yeah, and, we see, and we see scenes where, no, 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 he wasn't. And it's that same kind of scene that I said I hate. Right where where Coop's at the at his birthday party and no one else is there. Right, he was clearly expecting Jamie to show up and he wasn't there for him. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because he there's immediately another scene <laughs> where Coop's at Jamie's birthday party and he's not there. <laughs> Jamie didn't even show up for his own. <laughs> and it plays this music that repeats later when Coop needs him and he's still not there in like real time. That, that's a, such a good episode for this theme because uh, J- Jamie was out chasing girls. Right, and he wasn't there for Coop. Exactly. Yeah. So that that actually is a point in my favor, I would say. Like, it mirrors the kind of trajectory that uh, Jamie and Coop have, or that uh, that Coop and Kiva have. Kiva Could is be. taking Coop away from Jamie. Although there is, you know, in-universe evidence to suggest that Jamie and Kiva are supposed to end up together. Is there really... I don't I think need that. So. I think that's a that's a consistent, you know, slash fic or whatever. Oh my god! Can you imagine that, like Jamie and Coop having having it out about both liking the same girl? Not really. 
Intolerable. That would be the worst decision for this. In- intolerable, my dear boy. Intolerable, my dear boy. I, I do challenge you to 50 cuffs. <laughs> not not fisty cuffs. Fifty cuffs. Yeah, incorrigible scallywag. I'll um, have your guts for garters. <laughs> so Jamie is voiced by Stephen Bloom, who yeah, get ready, Spike Spiegel, yeah. dude, uh, he's, Roger he's, Smith. We, he's Rob, Roger Smith from he's, from Big O, like we've dealt before. Great, he's Spike Spiegel, dude. He's, ben, he's great teacher Onizuka. I'm aware of GTO Zane. You and need to watch that. And he's the host of Toonami. He's Tom. Oh, I forgot about Tom. Yeah, so everyone knows is, Steven this Bloom. This is the most redeeming thing about this character is that I could listen to him and be like, oh, shit, it's Spike Spiegel. It's it's, it's a perfect cast, too. Like, you wouldn't expect Spike to kind of... Yes. It, it's not quite the same character as Spike. It's kind of the same character as Great Teacher Onizuka because he's, you know, kind of a layabout horn dog. <laughs> and it's 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 neat that, uh, that Steven Bloom is able to carry, you know, too cool for school and... Uh, rampant womanizer with a heart mm-hmm. of gold like equally well right but uh yeah I, the, the voices in this are absolutely great um there's also the uh glorf warlord yeah gorath um, isn't isn't it kevin michael richardson no so he's the subordinate um gorath oh, himself okay. is uh clancy brown the voice of mr krabs oh my god it is mr krabs I'll have all your gore blocks, SpongeBob. <laughs> um, Get me that robot, Squidward. <laughs> Mr. Squidward. <laughs> oh, what an amazing voice actor. Man, that's a fun mashup. <laughs> Wait, which one? It must have been SpongeBob came first, right? Uh, yeah. Have, I wonder if he up, was channeling Mr. Krabs when he did this. Did you end up watching that documentary I told you about, about voice actors? No, I didn't. He's in that, and he does the voice of Mr. Krabs, and it's just such the most, it's the most unnerving thing to look at, because he oh talks about going up to little kids and doing the voice, and they're, like, Good. so confused. <laughs> that, I, I really like the, the, uh, the Glorfed, uh, leader. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I like the Glorfed leader and the commander. I like both of them. They're, like, the, the entire race is, like, menacing and goofy at the same time. Yeah, and there's this great, um, sort of zap brannigan kiff relationship between those two oh yeah totally like where the the main guy involved is like he's so single-minded exactly like yeah he's 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 kind of on a vengeance quest after a while and everyone's just like this is kind of bullshit he wants to kill megas specifically such that even when he has a clear shot at the earth and his commander's saying like listen we can just take over earth it doesn't matter he's like i can conquer earth any day I'm getting this monkey. <laughs> oh my god! And it, you know, it the 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 comparison to Gurren Lagann is so apt because they have uh, they have Viral in that who sort of does the same thing. Like he starts out mm. on the side of the army fighting the humans, but he ends up just having like this 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 uh this rivalry with the one character from the human side, and that that sort of is like the uh, the. It's sort of like the defining feature that he's been looking for all of his life, and he just didn't realize it until this moment. Yeah, going from nemesis to rival. That's, yeah. that's great. Good good, good way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. He's a great character just because you, you know how you love that scene in Full Metal Jacket when um, Roger Lee Army just goes off on the troops? Yes. Because <laughs> everybody loves that scene. It's kind of like that because like, okay, guy, we get it. 
we, we know you hate Magus, but just the way he <laughs> the way he talks and the passion he puts behind it every time is so endearing. Yeah, be- because like if you were a commander of a fleet, you would not like be sustaining that level of hot bloodedness. You know, you also, have to be cold and calculating, and this guy is just not. Also, he only has the people he went back in time with, and like we see them die constantly. <laughs> yeah, the uh. What I like is uh, that he's become so, like, vexed by this one Earther that he's starting to uh, develop this weird twisted affection for their culture. Oh, yeah. Because uh, one time he makes a glorfed version of Megas, complete with, like, glorfed, like, Cthulhu mud flaps. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. <laughs> a chrome space car for a head. That's right. And, like, everyone's on Earth is just like, hey, Coop, good paint job. <laughs> Like, oh, I hate these people. <laughs> these earthers. Why, why is this so hard? <laughs> why so why hard aren't they cowering in fear? Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. you destroyed no, their city a bunch. So that's, that's another thing that uh, we should talk about in the tone. We should talk about the tone and genre is the irreverence of the time period that they're in. It, it's a time period specific irreverence, you mm-hmm. know? In the same way that Kiva treats everything more seriously than Coop and Jamie do, the entire two, like, time periods treat everything differently. The Glorfed are as serious as Kiva and are single-minded in their purpose for destruction and war. Everybody on Earth treats Megas like less of a big deal than it is. Mm -hmm. Because this is a giant robot in an age that does not yet have giant robots you don't need to specify this is an age where they don't like look outside people (laughs) no like uh, but 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 there's so many giant robots all over the place in this whole show and it's not no it's not a thing that exists that's that's (laughs) exactly right more concerned they're fucking everywhere um (laughs) well this show is not so much a sci-fi show or even a mech show, so much as it is an animated pro wrestling slash NASCAR show with a sense <laughs> of humor. Like, this show is all about pro wrestling, right? It's like you said, um, Jamie is cynical. He tries to pull things apart and, and, and make things not fun. It's like, dude, I know pro wrestling's fake. Just let me enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, w- w- well put. And it's also a nice uh, tie-in to his role as great teacher Onizuka, who exclusively uses German suplexes. <laughs> and they do that thing here. Megas will do power bombs and shit. It's so good. Oh, it looks amazing. Plus, but, then you also get that mech, like, oh, sometimes I get a new move. It's great. Oh, they always get a new... They ex- they exclusively use moves that they, ca- they have never used before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not entirely. Like, he does the energy sword thing a few times, but I think every episode I watched, he, the Megus was doing something different. Well, it's not so much the Megus is doing different, so much as he, he has buttons that have never been labeled the same way before. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, the irreverence of the entire show, like, it, it seems like it could be a dig at the youth of our generation, just the way everyone doesn't really care about Megus. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever, global warming, blah, blah, blah. Except that the show constantly celebrates its rejection of gravity and seriousness, you know? Ben, how often do you dig at someone by giving them exactly what they want? What do you mean? <laughs> like you said, it's like a dig at, at our generation. It's like, no, I don't care if this is making fun of me. Well, half of it is. And then half of it is embellishing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Kiva is often fascinated by, like, your strange earth customs. You know, like... Mm-hmm. 
uh, Janie and Coop for an entire episode are just trying to get a mega slush. Yes. <laughs> like a slushy <laughs> type thing. And Kiva's like, this is so dumb. You have more, you have bigger priorities. And then at the end of the episode, she's like, oh man, that, that is actually really good. <laughs> like, and, and the way they kind of look at her is just like, oh, our baby bird's growing up. Like, they treat, the show treats. We, we their, have much to learn from one another. The, the show treats that, like, their priorities as being the important ones. You right, know, right. stop and smell the, stop and smell the oil change. Yes, this is a consistent humor-driven show, but it's loose enough that it can slip into other genres before bringing you back. Right. Like um like like one time he's fighting a bunch of robots in a nebula that prevents them from seeing him and it becomes this atmospheric scene where he fades into the shadows and it's done like a horror movie from the perspective oh of the other robots as one of them just sort of disappears to the side and the other's <laughs> looking it's like, "Oh shit, where is he?" <laughs> the hunter. <laughs> But then it goes right back because he just starts suplexing them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, most episodes ends with Coop doing something crazy in Megas, which, and like which tells said, you everything you need to know about the dismounts of the show. And like, like you said, whenever the, he's kicking ass, it's in a decidedly Coop way, not in a Kiva way. Right. You know? And like you said, the gravity is brought to him. So he'll start off an episode. Well, may, maybe his, he'll be starting off the episode by just killing a bunch of Glorfed and then going to the main plot. Because why not? Yeah. Um, but he'll have an episode where, like, yeah, he wants to get a slushy, or he has to return a video to the store. And then the episode is, oh, this robot either wants to conquer Earth or punch him or it has a vendetta. And, and you know, one time one of the robots is just a big Mr. T. Like, it gets silly very fast, but the gravity <laughs> is brought by the other characters bringing it into his house. And he's just like, no, I, I, I got to return this video, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, you're half right. Like, it's not that the gravity is brought to him. It's that the gravity is incompatible with what he would find gravity with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it treats each kind of serious thing equally in a way that (laughs) highlights how ridiculous it is that Coop cares this much about really, really stupid shit. You, you, You broke my robot, you destroyed my town, and you made me spill my drink. Like, these things are equal. In his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you're totally right. That That's a thing that he does. He does, like, the two serious things and then the one, like, trivial inconvenience. But they're equal in his mind because he's just a big kid. Yeah. This, and, this show and, like, is... The fact that neither viewpoint, like, the mature or the kid-like, you know, idealistic uh, appreciation of cool shit, neither viewpoint is ever truly superior. Like... Mm-hmm. And I, I like that lack of agenda. Like, the show isn't trying to teach us anything. It's just showing us how different people approach the same thing. Right. And sometimes the thing is so far beyond one of them. And it's funny just because, like, okay, we as the audience can understand why this robot is super pissed off at Coop. But he'll just sit there and there will be a long pause. <laughs> and the camera <laughs> like will switch back He just doesn't them. get it. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't understand. He's like, dude, we were playing. Like, what don't you get? <laughs> oh, can I can I start being serious now? <laughs> Do you want to go for real? <laughs> oh, I'll go for real. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what's, uh, um, what, what's, what's cool, actually, one more thing, yeah. is that um, both the way that Kiva treats serious things and the way that Coop treats serious things, you can understand both of those viewpoints. Absolutely. But you never understand Jamie. 
You never understand Jamie's preoccupation with stupid shit. Like, and I why? think it's because he's like trying. He's like his reach is exceeding his grasp. Like, oh yeah, he's totally unequipped for this. Well, not just unequipped, but like he's he's like trying to be something that he's not. Like a hero in a way that Kiva and Coop are both themselves through and through. I see. I, I think that's what the show is really trying to do: is trying to tell us to just like the things that we like and prioritize the things that we feel like prioritizing without regards to what's cool or what we're supposed to be. Because Jamie will constantly like act like someone that he isn't, you know, act more mature or serious than he actually is. And that's Agreed. why we like him so much whenever he's at Coop's level. Oh, yeah, when he gets really into it? Yeah, pound, pound fist, devil horns. Yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. In the, in the same way that it is rejecting convention— in like this adherence to treating things not so seriously, it also ad- rejects an adherence to logic in like every aspect of the show. The main point of which is the buttons. Ben, I want to talk about the buttons. Please. Um, so I've written down a few of my favorites, but usually he'll say like, all right, guys, it's time to save the world. And then he's looking for a button that literally says save the world. Oh, yeah. And or, it's like... Or- <laughs> The, and, like, the buttons that he scrolls through are, like, destroy the world, melt the world, destroy the world worse, and then, like, <laughs> save the world has been ripped out or something, or, like, it's, like, repairs needed or something. He's like, oh, boy. So I, I feel like the buttons really show the levity that the show takes itself on. Oh, um, yeah. One of them just says retcon. Yeah, this is concentrate. This is uh, the concentrate of Megas XLR is these buttons, <laughs> is these context-sensitive buttons. One of them bet you can't guess what this button does. Oh, one, one of them will be like, kill the good guys. Wait, I mean, don't kill the good guys or something <laughs> like that, because that's the conversation they were having. Um, He'll be like, I need to save Jamie. And then he like pounds a button that says, just save Jamie. Yeah. Um, one of them says, do something stupid, Coop. <laughs> um you heard the man kids super destructor mode <laughs> and my favorite five minutes until end of episode oh, oh god <laughs> where he just gets fireball hands oh my god one of them says like that big cool energy sword thing <laughs> it's pretty good the show knows exactly how i think oh my god and it's not just limited to the buttons either like some of the buildings are labeled fantastic things for this exact same purpose. <laughs> right. Because because in your in your you know Super Sentai or Power Rangers stuff, you have people crashing into buildings and you're like or rather robots crashing into buildings and you're like are isn't there populace to con- be concerned about? In like Godzilla <laughs> movies, people are running away from the from all the destruction. And there's there, a building that's labeled like cleared for destruction anyway. Yeah, a conveniently empty building. <laughs> They do that all the time. Yeah, there's very few other humans in this show other than these three. Yeah, and goat. Yeah. And that Go- kid with the goat. Uh. <laughs> fucking trash heap man. Yeah. Who who looks like somebody from Brutal Legend? Yeah, he looks like a uh, Mangus. Yeah. <laughs> good, good old Mangus. There, there's there's one building that's like shrapnel, napalm, and glass shard depot for when like <laughs> someone gets thrown through it. Uh, yeah, this, it, this show's amazing. Yeah, man, it's 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 exact it's exactly what it is. It it knows exactly what it is, and it just does it super good. <clears throat> so going uh going into animation, I wanted to talk about the character that we didn't bring up, which is Megus. All right. Yeah. 
this this, this car operates on rule of cool like, <laughs> like this is exactly like Gurren Lagann he's as cool he's he's as functional as he is cool looking there there are a number of shows that have like the racing episode or whatever where putting where a character will make the dumb joke of saying like putting flames or or racing stripes on something makes it go faster yeah <laughs> that works here yeah no it's <laughs> I mean, maybe it doesn't, but, like, as far as the actual episode is concerned, the cooler that Megas looks, the better he's going to do. Yeah. And, um, which isn't to say that the car isn't cool. The car is super cool. Like, the reason that it's the car that it is, uh, a Plymouth Barracuda, in in, in addition to being called a coupe, is because it's a fucking really cool-looking car. Like, this is what, uh, uh... Fuck, who's that actor in American Beauty? Kevin Spacey. Yeah, this this is like the car that I, Kevin I Spacey I can't believe wanted. I needed to remind you of who Kevin Spacey is. I know. It's weird, right? Yeah, but this but, yeah, this is the chick magnet. Yeah, it is a chick magnet. Uh, Jamie like at one in one episode is like, "Coop, I need to borrow your car to impress a girl." Like, what is this just, grease type of like, just like, plot the car. line? Just <laughs> but, the car, not the giant robot that's attached to it, just the car. <laughs> I really um, love that episode, too, because then Coop has to try to pilot the Megas with, like, the secondary command bridge, and he yeah. takes out, like, old Atari controls and one of those, like, pinball rollerball things, like, yeah. in, in, like, a Galaga machine, Anytime, and like, it's so funny. Anytime when Megas is not under normal controls and just starts, like, moving around at random and beating itself up, it's so <laughs> funny to me. And then he, like, cuts back to the glorfed commander, and he's just like... He's just like dumbfounded, like absolutely speechless. Like he's he actually can't attack just because he doesn't know what he's seeing. Why is this guy sitting on me? What, what is um, happening? <laughs> but the way the way that Megas stands when it's not doing anything, it's just at attention, reminds me so much of Brack. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> it's really lanky. Like lanky with the arms just just so and almost no head. Yeah, just a little bit akimbo and the head is completely like like it's part of the body it, it's i don't know like i would say it's like maybe yeah i guess i'd like, put it as like part you of the could, body you, you you could pretty this guy up and put him into an episode of gurren lagan probably he'd probably be he'd probably be squad leader he would get right in yeah the uh, uh the sheer size of megas is also always played with for like opening gags before the plot really gets going oh yeah like he'll be waiting because it starts the, uh, in jersey the plot starts in jersey and then goes to space right he'll be waiting at a traffic light in megas yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like oh why is it so hot can't we just fly there it's like it gets too it gets too hot when you fly so he's just walking through the turnpike <laughs> like and a bunch of cars are like around him beeping and he's just like i'm going as fast as i can and like the thing's just walking and then somebody cuts him off and he's like did you just see that it's called a turn signal buddy the fact that it's in jersey works so well because like more people know bad stereotypes about Jersey than know actual things about Jersey. Yeah, that's true. I, I blame the shore thereof. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, um, that that is true. And this show does not, like, go out of its way to, like, say, oh, you know, there's there's some good people in Jersey, too. Like... It's just these guys. It's Yeah, and they're not that good. <laughs> they're all right. They're funny. Yeah, they like video games. 
They, uh, yeah. I, they I don't, don't wear seatbelts, even in Megas. Nope. <laughs> I, I really like the, I like how big Megas is compared to the entire city of Jersey. I also like how whenever Megas gets summoned from, like, Hoop, uh, Coop's, like, shack or something, it breaks the entire house that he's in every <laughs> single time. Yeah. Like, it just shatter. Like, because he's got, like, this weird little, like, cabin chateau with a basement. And whenever he summons Megas out of the chateau, it, it splinters and crumbles all around him. Like, he has to rebuild that every single time. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, and, li- little things like that are and really while funny. And while in Big O, they would say, like, oh, my God, he's tearing down, you know, the downtown metroscape. Here, it's like, mm, hope it's back up by next episode. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like you, you don't really care about the about the destruction. Yeah, I, I like uh, a couple other visual gags that they do with the size of the thing is like him going to like a drive-in movie. And he's just like chilling there in a big robot. Yeah, there's a, there's a or, couple like, of it things. Looks, it looks at like the parking lot outside of like a Shake Shack or something, and it's just like a bunch of cars and then just a huge robot with a car on top. This is what they do sometimes during the uh, credit sequences, where it shows a few pictures of this sort of like. Megas is really big joke. Let's have him doing big things in a car. Or um, or they'll take a joke from the episode and extend it in a way that wouldn't be sustainable if they tried to actually fit it in the plot. Like when um, like when they end up at the planet of the space Amazons. <laughs> Specifically oh, yeah, that's in, right. in the planet of the space Amazons food court. Yeah, because Coop just wanted a cheesesteak. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I'm super hungry. And Jamie's got like that black eye. Right, because he said something stupid. We don't need to know the details. No, no, it's important that we don't know the details. We we know the joke just from the just from the layout. Yeah, they're really good with um with ending little pieces of animation. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't waste they don't waste their uh they don't waste their creativity on the main episode exclusively. Yeah. Um, speaking of other cool shit in animation. The intro is really good. <laughs> Super good. And, and we can go into music from here, but uh, yeah, this it looks like, I know most of the time we'll say it like looks really good. This looks better than the show does. It looks so organic in the way that he's throwing things around. Yeah, or like taking a bite out of a sandwich. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, like it's got like sandwich physics. This is an embossed photo. Um, yeah, like like gold deluxe number one edition of the comic. Yeah, and and like that little title card comes in with like the racing flames. It's like coop, and then it's got like this uh, this sheen sound effect. Like <laughs> like he's supposed to be super cool, but he's literally just eating a sandwich while driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. As like I love Jamie, he's got, like, this and... little like like baby face goatee as well. Like he's clearly <laughs> just a man child. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh. So uh, I wanted to say that not just in, like, if you zoom in from Megas and just look at the car, they make a ton of little visual gags that get, like, a lot of attention because they want you to, like, the little visual gags they make with the car um, are sort of backing up the idea that things are not as serious as they're treating them or they're more serious than they're treating them. What, what sort of gag? Well, for example, Coop will, like, get distraught out, out of, like, I don't know, not getting a corn dog from, like, a local restaurant or something like that. and Or he'll be, like, upset that he missed the all-you-can-eat shrimp buffet. And he'll, like, start having, like, a tearful sort of moment. And he'll, like, 
he'll like he'll like look for a button for a second click it and the sunroof will open slowly and then he'll like throw up his hands and go like what <laughs> and just like the fact that they made him put the sunroof open before he did that makes it so much funnier than it would have been if it just like cut to yeah. a frame with the sunroof open yeah a, a, a lot of the humor in this show is there's a car in a situation that would normally merit a giant robot, or there's a giant robot <laughs> in a situation that would normally merit a car. Oh my god, you're so right! <laughs> because in another thing, like, the next example that I have is, like, they're about to get hit with a bunch of, like, a bunch of glorfed robots are surrounding them, and it's clearly, like, a, a, a pretty tricky situation, a really high-stakes moment, and Jamie's reaction is to, like, hit the child's safety locks on the door. <laughs> He's like, click! wouldn't want them to get in (laughs) it's just like oh boy uh or or like in a in a context sensitive button sort of way when uh when coop is one really fun part is when coop uh doesn't have the robot but has the car and he's in that glorfed space station and he's like driving around i love it the run around do you remember that one yeah of course and he, he he won by teleporting a milkshake into their giant death cannon. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> but before that, he like has to try to outrun like these disappearing energy walls. So he uh-huh. pushes on the gas, and it and it like zooms in onto the speedometer, and it goes like one fifty, one sixty, and then goes onto like little pieces of cardboard that he wrote the numbers one seventy and one eighty onto. <laughs> as though that worked (laughs) no like he he just like all right i know it goes this fast i need to know when it's going this fast like also in megas he would go way faster robot is so funny yeah this what were you saying also the megas like would be going much faster than that when he's in megas so i'm not quite sure what that speedometer is for i i really am not sure (laughs) um you you can't look too closely at this show or it'll disappear how do you feel about the robot fights? Oh, robot fights are excellent. I'm telling you, it's just like pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, or or anytime the when he like... pro wrestling parts are the best. When he, when he like rips off a robot's arm and uses it to beat other robots. Oh, and he like points to the stands. <laughs> like, it's, like a, it's like a give him the chair moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like Babe Ruth, like, all right, this one's going to be a home run. Um... Like what, I said, what was that other show that was so American? Biker Mice from Mars? Biker Mice from Mars. This yeah, they is... would get along like gangbusters. Yeah. The uh what I what I really love about his mecha arsenal is that it's so varied, not just in like the context sensitive buttons, but they're always using some weird weapon that they haven't used before, like this energy ground pound or like this sonic emitter or like laser high beams. <laughs> the, the jammer. The jammer. <laughs> Do you remember that scene from Iron Giant when the Iron Giant goes like total rage mode and yeah, forgets yeah. his like the bump goes out of his head and he like turns back into a war machine and he just and gets all, all of these, of these crazy guns. weapons come out of him? Yeah. And, and they're he so creative. He like he shoots a bubble and it disappears from existence. Or he spins this thing and he hits it and like lasers like just come out at random. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, C- Coop loves these weapons they're so creative it like yeah like it like there's like this weird like record spinning on his disc thing and like these little needles start skipping on it and it's like and just like throws out plasma bursts yeah what a what a cool weapon that is like just the incredibly varied arsenal really uh really brings home the uh the ideal 
which mm-hmm. is this is a cool ro- robot. Let it do <laughs> what cool robots do. Nothing in this show will distract you from the fact that this is a cool robot. Oh, and and all like the camera angles for like it jumping through the air and stuff. Everything is designed to make it look as cool as it can. Yeah. Like that and it's so obvious that that's what it's doing. And mm-hmm. you want it to do that. So yeah. you're always hype. Absolutely. Um anyway. Yeah. Uh music? Oh yeah, so um the main theme it would not sound out of place in a cover of some Sonic game music. I, I was thinking Tony Hawk Pro Skater, but okay. Uh, it also gets bonus points because it kind of reminds me of the King of the Hill theme. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, it's, it, it's as that, does as does the character Goat. Yeah, it's that same grungy blues that we heard in the intro to Teen Titans, but it actually fits here. Yeah, I don't know if it's precisely the same thing as Teen Titans, but well, the, it, that that kind of music shows up throughout these themes, not necessarily the main theme. Yeah, no, I, w- I would say it's more like a Jack Black thing. Like, Coop very much reminds me of Jack Black. Oh my god, live action starring Jack Black? Oh my god, could we do that? Is that a thing? Who Who's Jamie? Who's playing Jamie? Uh, Stephen Bloom. No, Charlie Day. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> no, Paul Rudd. Paul Rugg. Yeah, I can see Paul, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd or Paul Rugg? I actually don't know. <laughs> Let's not figure it out. Great. Rug Rudd. Rug Rudd. But yeah, it's uh like so the intro theme <laughs> So the intro theme is a pure perfect distillation of what the show is. Yeah. Which is Chicks Dig <laughs> Giant Robots is the name of the song. Yeah, they run you they run you through the major issues of the show all at once. Like Yeah, they they put you through your paces. <laughs> In Jersey, giant robot car. Chicks dig robots. You got. You have to fight first gear in your giant robot car. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also love like the little the little uh, character vignettes at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. I know this is go back into animation, but like Coop is like slamming his head down on a button and then eating a bite of a sandwich, and Kiva is kicking ass and like getting a brain freeze from a Slurpee, and then Jamie is running away from an explosion and getting slapped in the face, and that's his title card. <laughs> Jamie. Like, you never like Jamie, but there's no doubt in your mind that he should be there. He is necessary for this show to work. Exactly. Like, I don't think there's any sort of, like, ego... Maybe there is sort of, like, an ego, super ego, id, id thing going on. Uh, like I, I, uh, yeah, I, I could see it. I think Jamie's probably the ego in that case. You know? In sort of a rusty Venture way. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to talk about Venture Brothers so much. No, nah, it's fine. Um, But, yeah, the the music, like, as you said, it's super good, and it just, like, kind of gets the blood pumping in a way that you really want for this kind of show. And they um, have they have other themes. Like I said, they dip into other genres. They have themes that add tension, but then they come right back out of them. Yeah, and, and when they whenever they do that, I think they do like this really awesome stylistic choice, um, which is sometimes they'll like have a, a strong musical theme or sound effect cue that will only occur when the one person is talking, and then it'll immediately cut out. Yeah, what a, when like it switches back and forth between them. With, like, like uh, mag- magnanimous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and he'll, like, be talking, and there's, like, this game show host music going on behind him, because that's his idea. And then it'll switch over to, you know, Coop and his friends, and they'll just be like, huh? And there'll be no music at all. It, it lends to the idea that each of these characters is so far within their own head. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that they're bringing their their own theme songs with them. <laughs> I want to bring my own theme song with like, me. Like, they're just, yeah, imposing their own theme songs on the reality around them when they talk. What's what's your theme song, then? My theme song? Um, not sure that I have one. What, do you have one? Um, All Star by Smash Mouth? Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds pretty correct. Because uh, I, I was really cool in the 90s. Someone... <laughs> Maybe Always Someone Cooler Than You by uh, Ben Folds. I would imagine a Ben Folds song makes sense. Yeah, I, w- I was pretty into him for a while there. Audience, you be the judge. The judge of what? What? What our theme songs are? Yeah. Actually, they should probably just be a theme song of a show that we really, really liked. <laughs> this show's theme song. <laughs> that would be amazing. This... So it does do that like hard rock jam during the fight scenes when Megas is winning. Mm-hmm. Um, it also does this really good theme when they're just chilling, usually at the beginning or end of an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. Estab- a, that's such an establishing theme. Yeah, like, it it's, tells it's you like what status pro- status quo the musical. It is exactly status quo the musical, <laughs> but but like more specifically than that, it is no robot stuff is going on. They are now just having a good time while in possession of a giant robot. Mm-hmm. Which, there's no reason that you can't have a good time in possession of a giant robot and not fight things. Yeah, just having it. Imagine that you have the Megazord, and you're like, I'm done fighting things. Should I get out of this giant robot that I can use however I see fit? <laughs> no? No, never? Let's go get burgers. Let's go get burgers and eat them in the giant robot. We can eat them from 100 feet high, and then... If Rita attacks, we can immediately be in a giant robot and then eat burgers while we're fighting in a giant robot. I um I finally put up that poster of the Iron Giant you gave me. That's a pretty good poster. It's I I'm I'm looking at it. It's so good. I have that poster uh nearby that is all of the Mario characters um standing around Princess Peach's grave. <laughs> and the epitaph is here our princess lies in another castle or something oh boy and, and everyone's just crying and, and bowser's like losing his his mane and has like a cane <laughs> and like like toad is putting like a fire flower on the grave it's so good that's incredible yeah it's re- it's really great <laughs> uh do we have anything else I, I don't know if we kind of hammered this point home enough, but whenever there's like a villainous threat, you don't get bad guy music in like a Jack Black game. You get bad guy music in like Star Wars. You know, they're within their own setting. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming from outer space and doing like the galactic domination thing. They're going to bring theme music from galactic domination right, until Coop right. can overpower it. And I think that's a really good audio cue to whom is currently in control of the situation. Yeah, or in control of the scene. What what I kind of like in in these cartoons, and I didn't think that I would like it, is that that the, the show very strongly tells you who is winning. And that that can kind of take some of the tension away if you don't know who's going to win, but because it's a cartoon you already do and all you want to do is feel it as strong as you can. Right. So so I think that's actually really a really good thing, and I'm going to be looking for that in the future a little bit more than I think I have been. Mm-hmm. Oh, one more thing that I wanted to say. Yeah? Do you remember the double deuce? 
the double deuce. You mean like flipping the bird twice from Strong Bad? That's right. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just wanted to mention that. No, of course. <laughs> All right, see you guys later. No, there's a uh, there's this move that uh, that Megas does called the double deuce, which is he's like this is usually the climax of an episode. This robot has been giving him a lot of trouble and he just wants to put him in his place all at once. And it closes up and Coop jumps into the air and smashes his arms down on their arms and removes both their arms from their sockets. Yeah. And there will usually be like this tri-cut like you get in Samurai Jack swiping a sword. Mm -hmm. Ching, ching, ching. And then the robot's arms just fall off. It's amazing. Yeah. They, they're they not afraid of borrowing the coolest parts of other genres to make no. this show great. No, they're already borrowing the coolest parts from the mech genre, you know? And they're just leaving all the all the baggage behind. Do, do you remember um, the two classifications of mech show you mentioned back in, in Big O? I do. There's a real robot and a power robot, I think. Uh-huh. Something, something like that, where, like, one of the... Where a real robot genre will be like, there's, or no, there's real robot and super robot. And a real robot is characterized by like these, these, uh, these robots are just tools to be used by, by humans. They are nothing more than that. So that's, that's more like grounded robot shows. Um, and then super robots are supernaturally powered in some way. Mm -hmm. So which, which one's this show? That's hard to tell, kind of, because you could conceive of a universe wherein Coop has just modded out, uh, like, they have a good Freudian excuse for it. If if this is, in fact, just powered by Coop's ingenuity, I, I could make that make sense in my head, mm-hmm. but that takes so much faith in a person that I don't have that much faith in. Like, I think that the, <laughs> By design. I don't even know... I, I, I can't read too much into the into the actual like causality of this robot. Like, if the button is there that says a thing that Coop wants to do, you either have to assume some crazy things about the ontology of this robot, like he just listens to his master's commands, which I don't want to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to believe that he's just a really strong robot. So I guess I would give Coop the. I would give him I would give him that out. I would say that, you know, everything that happens he has planned for and he just keeps mixing up all the buttons because he's like an idiot savant with that stuff. So I right. put it on as real robot, but I, I could see an argument for super robot. Okay. I buy it. Mm-hmm. I mean there is time travel, which, you know, I I don't know how far you can take that. Mm-hmm. But it's more satisfying to me thinking that it's just like whenever Coop treats his robot, like his car, is very satisfying. It's very relatable. It's very, it's a very personal connection that he clearly has with with Megas, and I think it's because it's his labor of love. Yeah, this is the only thing in his life that he's been good at that matters. Right, which which isn't to say that it's the only thing he cares about. Like, right. he doesn't have to be in Megas to make his life have meaning. Sometimes he'll just be playing video games. It's just, you know, it, it, it's just. Having pride in something that you worked very hard for is something that I can uh, that I can really appreciate. So the idea that he that the robot is more powerful than Coop actually put effort into it sort of sort of cheapens that feeling a little bit in a way that I don't care for. How did you feel about it? I don't know. I think it sort of plays into that teenage power fantasy of like 
taking pride in something like no just knowing that it takes a lot of effort to make something that you can be proud of is an interesting moral but i don't think it's overt enough to really really hit you Mm. i don't know I, i i guess i didn't really think about it too much yeah i didn't either but i like the idea that 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 coop put in the time and energy to make this robot work in the ways that it does, it, as it, opposed to just, you know, imposing his techno genius will on it. It might be one of those like kid things where it's like, no, no, just you see, I'm gonna keep playing video games all day, and then one day I'm gonna be a great, you know, <laughs> champion video game player. Oh yeah, no, there, there's certainly some of that. Yeah, this is a power fantasy for people who want to believe. <laughs> who, yeah, who want to believe that their hobbies mean something beyond just satisfying themselves right and they don't and so you know you don't want to use this show as a moral but you can also appreciate your hobbies in lieu of them being productive yeah guys go go get a life (laughs) dude (laughs) you you can play you can play games you can watch cartoons like it won't hurt you it just won't help you at all but you shouldn't feel bad about (laughs) it just because you're not getting anything done yep now if that's all you do well, then you've got a problem, and that right. problem is being Jamie. Anyway, cool. I think we're good here. Mm-hmm. So, what are we? Uh, what are we going to watch next time? Uh, okay. Well, next well how, time how are we going to waste our time next time? <laughs> uh, well, there are an infinite amount of ways that I can waste my time. Uh, next time we will be reviewing Kablam. I hope I spelled that correctly. It's hard to pronounce the apost the uh, exclamation points at the end. I think there's two. Yeah, uh, assume the crash position. If crash you'd be so position? Kind. Dude, did you even watch the intro? Of what? Of Kablam! No, not yet. Assume the crash position. Oh man, this is going to be terrible. Alright, well, I'm just going to watch Megas XLR. That's fine. I'm probably going to go and just watch more episodes of it now. It's not bad. Because like, I'm just on a kick. Yeah. And I want to make sure I have seen all of the episodes. That's fair. The the sense of humor is so fucking good. <laughs> it knows exactly what it is. It's so good. Anyway, um, after after Megasex or after Kablam, what do we got? <laughs> I can't. I want to stop thinking about it, man. Um, well, we we haven't talked about it yet, but it's time for another movie. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, number sixty coming up. Oh, so it is. So I am going to unilaterally pick <laughs> unilaterally uh, a movie that you have. Try to Hang stop me minute. from watching. Oh yeah, no, it is your time. Try to your... try to stop you. Uh, a movie that you've tried to stop me from watching all this time that we've had a podcast. Okay. A movie that will not be good because I know you've wanted to do a movie that's not good. <laughs> it's time for us to watch The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Oof! I thought you were going to talk about Brave Little Toaster, and then you're every, like, "Not good," and I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's every a pretty good every movie, time right? audience. Every time we bring up the topic of what to watch for a movie, I put forward this option. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I still don't get it. it down. I think I think uh, in your heart of hearts, you're trying to uh, eschew the need to talk about either the Flint, the Flintstones, and the Jetsons. They're both super like iconic. They're both super iconic in cartoondom. But I don't have it in me to go through and like, hey, did you ever watch The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're you're right. Um, um, yeah, okay, you know, I'm just gonna hope for the Great Gazoo. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Oh, do you think that? Uh... Never mind. 
I, I can't imagine this uh, uh, this movie ending in any other way than Fred killing uh, George. <laughs> so, Tell you what, I'll watch the movie. You write the movie that you want to see. That actually sounds like a fun idea that we should do sometime. <laughs> but for, for right now, let's just keep it regular bootleg style. Um, yeah, that, that sounds good. You know, now that we're talking about like a, sh- a movie that we don't like, I just realized we didn't really try to figure out if there was anything about this show that we didn't like. Because I don't think there actually is. It's, like, I, I think I this mean, is darn I, near to a perfect show as I can imagine. I watched a bunch of episodes, and the worst thing I can say about it is that it can be formulaic. But I don't mind. No, it's a good formula. And within that formula, they there's a lot. The, the plots are different enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's compelling either way. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah we got some... Got some horseshit on the horizon. Yeah, audience, if uh, if you dig giant robots, uh, you can and let you us do. know about it on Facebook or like us uh, or leave a review on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And um, as always, tell your friends about the show if you think that they would enjoy any and or all of it. My guess is any, but... And but I recommend that they start with this episode. Should probably start by just watching Megas XLR. <laughs> you will understand what we have meant. It, yep. it it spits it at you. It spits it right in your eyes. <laughs> We've we promise that you'll be satisfied, or we will return your gore blocks. Yes, no money charge, no money down, no money down. Eat a cheesesteak. <laughs> yeah, let's all eat a cheesesteak. Nice. 